Welcome to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. your prayers 
Jerusalem, high on the holy mountain, he stood and I beheld him there, the Lamb of God on Mount Zion, the Lamb was not alone, the Lamb was not alone, for a Most of the faithful who followed the Lamb were gathered round His throne. They sing a new song, worthy the Lamb. He who was slain, though righteous and pure, reigns as the great I. His own blood, His bride to claim. They sang a new song, worthy the Lamb, worthy His name. I saw. Inscribed on every brow The name of the Lamb and His Father For these were saints The sealed of God Unmarked by the great deceiver And how their voices rang What a glorious song they sang They sang a new song Worthy the Lamb He who was slain, though righteous and pure Reigns as the great I Am Born of His mercy His bride to claim
does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth and song as the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me. And my sad heart aches till it Is it odd to him does he see? Songs of Praise endeavours to draw your heart, mind and soul to a close relationship with your Saviour, Jesus Christ.
love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and His glory, of Jesus and His love. I love to tell the story. Because I know it's true, it satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story; it will be my theme in glory to tell. Jesus and His love. I love to tell the story for those who know it best. Seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest, and when. I sing the new, new song. Twill be the old, old story that I have loved so long. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to tell. Tell the old old story of Jesus and His
If you're enjoying this music, encourage your friends to listen to this program each week.
my faith has found a resting place, not in a man-made creed. I trust the ever-living one that he for me will plead. I need no Seem whole, but I am broken. 
Oh, 
I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 13, 6.
Perspective had grown cloudy underneath my circumstance, but the one who tends the sparrow had higher things in store. And like a mighty eagle, he has made my heart to soar. Now I'm riding on the wings of faith. So. Find my. 
Listening to Songs of Praise, a production of Threb in Australia Radio. You are listening to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading. 
Today, we are continuing with the book Deeply Esteemed, The Life and Ministry of H.C.K. Harker. The reader is Dr. Barry Harker, the author and also the grandson of Pastor Harold Harker, the subject of the book. Here is our reader. Chapter 4. Gospel Wagon Harold left Otago in April 1901 and returned to Australia, where he teamed up with his brother Norman in Tarang in Victoria. They worked together in Tarang and the surrounding districts from May to July that year. Harold and Norman focused their work on Home Handbook, a health manual. The Lord had counselled the church through Sister White that there can be no better preparation for the coming of the Lord and for the reception of other truths than to arouse the people to see the evils of this age and to stir them to reformation from self-indulgence and unhealthful living. Harold and Norman purchased a tandem bicycle for transport. One day they had to cycle down a steep hill wryly known as Gentle Annie. Harold was in front and Norman behind. Before long they lost control of their speed. Hurtling down Gentle Annie it seemed as if disaster beckoned. Norman called out, Lord, save us. They managed to stay on the bicycle and it gradually slowed to a stop after they reached the bottom of the hill. Harold and Norman had been through some scrapes together, but few matched the excitement of this one. It was some minutes before their racing hearts returned to normal. Their work took them all over country Victoria. Harold worked in Biaduck in August and the Hamilton District in Western Victoria in September, while Norman worked in Turidan. Harold worked in Morala in October, while Norman worked in South Gippsland. In December, Harold and Norman joined other coal porters at the camp meeting in Brunswick, Melbourne. They were able to exchange experiences with other coal porters, while the rest and change refreshed their spirits after a year of exacting work. Classes were held for coal porters at the camp meeting. For a church with a small membership, the printed word was an effective way of getting its message to the people. Many who could not hear an evangelist speak could read the truth. Books were silent messengers of truth and coal porters were frontline agents in the missionary program of the church. Some who purchased books from coal porters put them on the shelf and seldom looked at them. But God has care for his truth and often sickness or misfortune entered homes and the books were sought for and read. Through them God sent peace and hope and rest to souls. Others, because of prejudice, never knew the truth unless it was brought to their door and left in their homes. Harold understood the importance of the work in which he was engaged, and early in 1902 he fitted out a wagon for his work in rural Victoria. He called it the Gospel Wagon. It enabled Harold to display his books most effectively. All grand enterprises for God meet opposition from God's enemy, Satan, and this proved true for Harold's work with the Gospel Wagon. Endeavours were made to hinder his work and to destroy his wagon and horse. Harold also had narrow escapes from personal injury. On February 18, Harold wrote in a report from east of Melbourne, This is Wednesday morning. I am remaining with these people who have lately accepted the truth. I go out and work the place as far as I can and return in the evening and give Bible readings, which they thoroughly enjoy. You will be glad to know that they are accepting every phase of the truth. They have already expressed a wish to be baptised and unite with the church. Truly God's hand is in the mission of this gospel wagon. Harold continued, 
I must press on. There are other souls waiting for the truth, and I must hunt them out. They told me that the burden of their hearts had been that God would send them more light, and they believe that this is a direct answer to their prayers. In another report of February 27, Harold wrote, God has indeed been with me in my work, and I am full of courage to go on with it, being confident of success. Because if God is with me, what have I to fear? Man cannot make me afraid. I truly believe that this is the work that God has called me for. Satan has tried to overthrow the work, but angels of God protected it, and my heart rejoices with yours in the success that has attended the work. The two families that have taken their stand seem firm in the truth. Their opposition has just begun, but the more it rages, the firmer they get. This is my reason for remaining here this week, to hold Bible readings and to help them to be firmly grounded in the truth. There are also others who have shown interest in attending the studies. I believe that some will take their stand. I am visiting some in the afternoons and holding readings with them. Last Sunday I spoke to about 14, 10 of whom were strangers, and in the evening we had 14 strangers. Questions were asked which I endeavoured to answer. Some opposition was manifested, but this really helped to impress the truth on the minds of the others more than anything else. Harold stayed in this place until March 2 when he wrote, I held two meetings today which were good. I leave for the next town. These brethren are staunch in the truth and full of courage. We would ask that this work be remembered in the prayers of God's people continually. Harold moved on to Trafalgar and worked there during March. He found some people there yearning for the truth. One family and one lady from another family accepted the Adventist message. A few others were considering the acceptance of the message. In April, Harold moved to the Wimmera in western Victoria. The Wimmera was a rich pastoral area. He remained in the region from April to September. In July, Harold focused his efforts in the town of Rupinyup. In July, Norman worked in Albury, a town on the border between Victoria and New South Wales. Harold continued his work in rural Victoria throughout 1902, but early in 1903 he received a call from Pastor Hilliard, President of the Tasmanian Conference, to work as Field Missionary Secretary or State Agent in Tasmania. This position involved responsibility for the coal porters in the field in the state of Tasmania. He arrived in February 1903 and immediately took up his duties. Before long, Norman joined him in Tasmania. At the end of the fiscal year, on June 30, 1903, there were 12 coal porters in the field. In October, Harold and Norman worked the Huon River region to the southwest of Hobart. In December, Harold was reappointed as state agent for coal porters in Tasmania. In 1904, after 12 months in Tasmania, Harold found himself back in the Wimmera in Victoria, having received a call from the Victorian Conference. He worked in Willanabrina in July, Bangarang in August and Warwick-Nabeel in September. In Warwick-Nabeel, Harold renewed his association with William Fletcher, a fellow student at Avondale College and his predecessor as state agent in Tasmania. In November, Harold was appointed the state agent for the Victorian Conference, working from Oxford Chambers in Bourke Street, Melbourne. 
Writing in the Australasian Record in April 1940, Walter Edwards began a series of reminiscences of his coal-porting adventures. This is how he began the series, remembering his work under Harold's supervision in 1904. The beautiful harmony of that system of truth taught by Seventh-day Adventists charmed my heart from the first day that these things were brought to my attention, especially the order of events connected with the judgment and the second coming of Christ. For a long time my mind was filled with an intense longing to share these glorious truths with others who had never heard the glad tidings of the Master's return. In the year 1904 I left home to enter the coal porter work, being a very raw recruit indeed, because I had no experience of public work of any kind. Brother H.C. Harker, then State Agent of Victoria, sent word for me to go down by train to Mafra, Gippsland, to start work with the coming king, in conjunction with a band of workers he was coaching down there. According to a pre-arranged plan, when I stepped off the train at Mafra, I carried in my hand a copy of the Signs of the Times as a mark of identification, whereupon Brother Harker stepped up and gripped me by the hand, and then conducted me to the lodging of this little band operating in that district. Promptly the next morning, Brother Harker and I set out on what was to me a thrilling adventure, canvassing around the Denison district. Brother Harker doing the canvassing while I looked on and prayed for success, endeavouring all the time to learn all I could. During the course of the day, he secured 12 orders, and as I watched him book order after order, I thought how easy it all was, but of course he was an expert, and I had yet to learn how hard it was for me. For several days my leader did all the canvassing and then decided to let me have a try. I know he thought that I would never make a coal porter, but after he stood and watched me take an order in the first house we went to, he said, I'm going back to Melbourne. But I found as I went along that I didn't know much about real salesmanship, though I am certain that the Lord blessed me when I looked to him for help. Harold continued his work through 1905 as state agent for the Victorian Conference. He was reappointed to this position in March 1906. Harold was now 28 years of age. Since leaving Avondale College, he had lived an itinerant life for more than five years in New Zealand, Victoria and Tasmania, serving the church as a coal porter or state agent. Norman was now married, but Harold remained without a life partner, but God had a surprise in store for him. Early in 1906, he met 17-year-old Anne Gadsden. Don't forget to tune in next time for the next chapter of Deeply Esteemed, the life and ministry of H.C.K. Harker. questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 61 4973 3456 Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au That is radio at the number 3 ABN Australia, all one word, .org.au. Our postal address is 3ABN Australia, Inc., 
PO Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales, 2264 Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. We are continuing our survey of God's invitations in the Bible. On this occasion we are looking at Isaiah 55 verses 1 to 3. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labour for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. If your soul is thirsting for rest and peace, this invitation is for you. You don't have to have money. Your status is irrelevant. Your past is not a constraint. You just have to come to God, listen to Him, and take notice of Him and you can have peace in your soul now. God will sort out the difficulties in your life and make you over. He will make a covenant or agreement with you. Not just any covenant, but an everlasting covenant, one that lasts forever. When God invites us to buy of Him, even if we don't have money, He is telling us that this transaction that He makes with us is available to everyone. We can't buy God's peace or favour with money. When we are thirsty and come to the water that God supplies, our spiritual thirst is quenched. Jesus illustrated this truth in his conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. Here is John 4, 13-15. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Everyone can access the spiritual rest and peace that God offers. No one is excluded, but it does take willingness to respond to the invitation. May God bless you as you consider your response to God's gracious invitation to you in Isaiah 55 verses 1 to 3. Let's listen to William Ackland as he shares a psalm from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. Today we have come to Psalm 4. Now this psalm was written by David and is directed to the choir director. And the theme of this psalm is God keeps the faithful safe. Please hear me when I call upon you, O my righteous God. You have come to my aid when I was in great trouble, so please show kindness now and hear my prayer. How long, you sons of men, will you turn my majesty to shame? How long will you follow vain things and make lies the foundation of your life? You must know in your heart that the Lord has a godly people who are his. He does not ignore me when I call upon him. Tremble in your fear, but do not sin. Search the inner recesses of your hearts in the night 
and think deeply on these things. Bring a sacrifice of righteousness to God and put all your trust in the Lord your Maker. Many people ask, Is there anyone who will be kind to us? Lord, bless us with the light that comes from your face. You have made my heart glad more than in the time of a fruitful harvest. I can safely lie down with no one to make me afraid, sleeping deeply. It is you alone, dear Lord, who shelters me in your strong arms. Mm -hmm. 